seven predictions about the future of media, and great advice for musicians and marketers. This is episode 34 of Media Unplugged, the podcast that goes behind the spin to reveal what's really happening in media. Media Unplugged with Tom A. Sacker and Mark Ramsey. Welcome to the first episode of Media Unplugged for 2016. I'm Mark Ramsey. And I'm Tom A. Sacker. Tom, seven predictions about the future of media, and you know all seven by heart, do you not? Yes, because there are seven instead of 16 <laughs> predictions for 2016, which people do, things like that. That would have been catchy. Why didn't they do that? Um, this is actually from a report from Business Intelligence. And as you know, Tom, BI is really good at doing one thing and one thing only, and that's gathering the research that other people conduct and compiling it into reports that they put out under their own banner. They're really, really good at that. And <laughs> this is no exception. It's a new one, media skill, Mark. It is a skill. They're kind of the Facebook of, you know, uh, other people's research. Um, seven predictions the about the future of media. We should go through these because I think some of these are good. Most of them I actually agree with, but they're very interesting. Here's the first one. This will come as a surprise to no one. Number one, digital will inherit the earth. Okay. <laughs> There you go. The, the, the data they use to support this is uh, data we've all seen before, which is digital consumption growing, everything else shrinking, as they put it. TV shrinking from 2011 to 2015, we have 40% to 35%. That's uh, the share of U.S. consumer media consumption. Radio is off from 14 to 12%. Print from 6 to 3%. Other, whatever other is, yeah, from Mark, 6 to Mark. 3. See, yeah, if what they're saying is... The way media is going to be delivered over the internet is going to inherit the earth, of course. Well, th this is how it struck me. I'm glad you made that point, Tom, because that was my take. It showed digital, by the way, from 30 to 43%. And I thought, well, but wait a minute. This presumes that these kind of, these kind of channel categories are eternal, right? It's that these channel categories are eternally relevant rather than dynamic, Right. I mean, TV is also digital. Radio is also digital. Print is also digital. Other, whatever that is, is also digital. So the fact that digital is increasing and everything else is going down is really saying the portfolio of ways in which people want content is evolving, not that any one channel is dead or alive, right? Exactly right. Yeah. So is it going to inherit the earth as a, me as a medium of delivery? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they should have put the two words in there. Of course. Yeah, of course. Like that, maybe that's why it's number one instead of seven, because they, it's so obvious. They indicate that the shift is generational, as they put it, which is another way of saying young people like smartphones and old people like television, uh, which is, you know, certainly true as far as it goes. But interestingly, they kind of obscure the true nature of the question. They have top five media mentions among all adults from 2013. And it shows, for example, if you're 75 or over, uh, television is your top, one of your top five choices by like 70% of everybody compared to only about 15% of 16 to 24s. And I looked up this question because this just didn't seem right to me. In other words, it didn't seem that this is actually how people are using media. This seemed to be something else. And sure enough, if you go to the source, you'll find that this question actually was, what are the top five things you would miss the most if they went away? So in other words, this isn't about usage. This is about some kind of perceived irreplaceability, some kind of passion for the medium itself. Do you know what right. I mean? 
Yeah, I do. Exactly. Which is a whole different question. Now, it's not an irrelevant question, but it's different from saying 16 to 24s will cease to use television. Well, look, it's the first prediction. You shouldn't jump all over them. Wait till you get the few down into the list, you know. <laughs> Here's one thing they said relative to the, uh, to the use of, uh, of uh, mobile devices by millennials. They said millennials check their phones every 10 minutes, which I thought was great. I love that. Um, I think it, no, then see, the research I read said seven minutes. Well, obviously, the, your research <laughs> is wrong. <laughs> that's because. Well, they didn't check it as much during the holidays, so that's That's what it was. Oh, okay, I got it. This is there, more current research. There are some statistics in here which I do kind of question the veracity of, frankly. Here's number two, which I really think is interesting, and this I think will, will um, be reinforced by everything we hear out there in the ether. Number two, subscriptions for the win. And essentially, the point that they're making there is that, um, you know, people would have guessed not that long ago that nobody would ever pay for content that used to be free. Come to find out that they are paying for content that used to be free. And they have graphs in here on music subscriptions climbing fast and streaming video subscribers climbing fast. But I got to tell you, Tom, I don't know if you've looked at their charts. Their charts are just indecipherable. They have, uh, let me just describe this one music subscriptions are climbing fast. The statistic seems to be streaming music paid subscribers, and the number for 2019 estimated is 20 billion. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Is that dollars? China. In I don't. China. I don't even know what that is. Here's what I do know. According to the RIAA, they say that um, that uh, the number of people subscribed to uh, streaming music has increased from 7.9 million in the U.S to 8.1 million from 2014 to 2015. Now, those numbers have no relation to the numbers I just read you. And in <laughs> fact, you can read uh, pieces in the, in, the, in the media about the fact that uh, music the rate of increase in music subscriptions is actually declining. I mean, 7.9 to 8.1 in one year is not much, right? Look, Mark, if, if free goes away, if the things we want that we're getting for free start going away, then all these subscription-only services are gonna start going up, obviously. But as long as the models that these people are working with continue to pan out, and, and I'm not sure they're gonna pan out, you know, all the Pandoras and everybody else, right. but as long as we keep getting what we want without paying money for it, then we're not gonna pay money for it. Of course, TV subscriptions, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, of course that's going up because we're getting something of value that we can't get without paying for it. Mm -hmm. it's, it's the things that we can get. So if we're going to consume our news on these little news apps for free, Facebook and, and everything else, why are we going to pay for news? Well, and of course, you know, the providers are terrified because if they say tomorrow, well, you can only get it if you pay for it, then there's a good chance that we'll route around their little paywalls no matter what form they take, right? Right. Which exactly. is historically exactly what happens because not all content is created equal. Not all content do we want to pay for in any given time and place. Even one of the examples used here, which I found to be, again, you know, bizarre, uh, here's the quote from the report. Even print subscribers are climbing fast and they point to New York Times digital revenue, which they estimate it being over $100 million in uh, the fourth quarter of 2014. But, but we're talking about the numbers. When you look at the numbers of actual people, we're talking about about a million people who are digital-only subscribers to the New York Times. Yep. They're building an entire chart on one million people in a, in a country of, you know, what, 350 million people almost. 
I don't know. This, all of these predictions, they should be seven optimistic predictions about <laughs> the future of media as digital platforms that you can make money do. I don't know, but it, this is all optimism. <laughs> I mean, look at the next one. What's the next one? Well, this one I have very little comment on. Number three, native digital advertising. Yeah, well, digital oh. advertising will continue to thrive and then in parens, native digital yeah, advertising. Opti uh, so it's optimism again. I mean, everybody that reads this should be spreading it all over their offices going, we don't have a problem. We're going to have digital advertising blowing up. We're going to get subscriptions for our media properties. Digital's going to inherit the earth. Everything is looking great. <laughs> well, get a load of the fourth one. The, exist the existential crisis of ad blocking will resolve itself, but careful what you wish for. Now, how will it resolve itself? Well, of course, they say if all ads are blocked, most free content will cease to exist. So what will happen? And the answer is, and I love this, quality will improve. What Tom. ads, you mean? <laughs> ad quality? Well, that's the thing. I have no idea what they're talking about because, look, I, you know, let's take podcasting, for example. As a, as a particular uh, distribution channel. I think it's fair to say that the quality of podcasts has improved over the years. However, the quality of the ads on podcasts has absolutely positively not improved at all. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about the quality of the ads? Because I see no sign of that at all. In fact, I was having a conversation with somebody at lunch today. We were talking about advertising on Pandora. And, you know, here Pandora has all these capabilities that other platforms don't have because of their uh, digital first nature. And yet many of the spots on Pandora are every bit as bad as the worst spot you'll hear on the radio. Okay. But what, so if you look at what they're saying, which is it's because you can't ad block a podcast ad, that's why they stink. Well, they are saying that... <laughs> They are saying that the decisions will not all be voluntary, to use the language of the, the report. Look, but, Mark, you know as well as I do. When, when TiVo started to make headway, did that cause ads to improve? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> but the ads outlive TiVo. That's, <laughs> that's true. That. That's right. So that's what it should say. It says, despite all of this, the ads will outlive all of this crazy stuff. <laughs> Here's one thing they do say I agree with, and that's as part of the same point, and that's that people will choose to view ads from and or subscribe to publishers and platforms they like. Not a big insight, I grant you, <laughs> but the idea is that if the ad is, you know, in the orbit of a piece of content I already have a positive relationship with, and the ad presumably is relevant to me, I'm more likely to be friendly to that ad. Lots of conditional language on that statement <laughs> I just made. <laughs> All right, number five. The next big platform is, Tom, guess what it is? This is the only thing I agree with. <laughs> uh, it, no, it's true. I know. What is it? Messaging apps. That is their point, messaging apps. If you look at the stats, accessing email is the number one task. But tied with that is text messaging. Close behind is social networking. Close behind that is getting news alerts. And by the way, getting news alerts does not mean only getting alerts from CNN.com. It means getting every one of those stupid alerts that comes over your phone. You and I were on a little bit earlier, and I got a weather warning that blared yep. at my, from my phone. I mean, it's crazy. And that's what that, but that's higher than playing games, higher than listening to music, higher than reading, higher than watching videos or movies, and higher than getting directions. <laughs> Messaging apps will be big. Uh, I think they're going to be big in business because there's no doubt that, look, they're immediate, it's simple, it's convenient. 
I ought to be able to, to, to message any business out there and ask about my bill, change my hotel mm -hmm. reservation, make mm -hmm. dinner reservations. I ought to be able to speak to customer service people through these apps rather than dialing a telephone and sitting on hold. So that seems to be a no-brainer. By the way, sitting on hold is the, is the best-case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when you're dialing the phone. Yeah, I mean, the, my take on this is that Look, I mean, why messaging apps? Because think about this. If you've got people who are checking their phones every seven to 10 minutes, why are they doing that? They're not doing that so that they can read another chapter in a book. They're right. not doing that because the game is calling to them every seven minutes or because they've got to listen to a song right now. They're not doing that for directions. They're not doing that for weather. They're not doing that for traffic. They're doing that because they're doing they because it's what are the things that they need to do often well what they need to do often is communicate right because there's always something going on my friends are always doing this that or the other someone is always messaging me about something in other words if you think about why in the world would 10 minutes be better than 15 20 or 30 well if you're talking about messaging you can miss a lot in 10 minutes can't you yes you can <laughs> And I think that's why these, these uh, apps, if you look deeper into the report, they'll say, you know, uh, you can do everything in these apps. These apps are quickly becoming platforms. And messaging, in other words, is the context for all the media content that lives in the, again, in the orbit of the messaging. And uh, that's going to be a huge growth area. We're already seeing it with Snapchat, are we not? Yes, I agree with you. That That is the one prediction that I would bet big on. You're listening to Media Unplugged with Tom Asecker and Mark Ramsey. Tom, great advice for musicians and for marketers, I thought. This is from our friend Lefsetz. <laughs> I, 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 I just like saying his look, name. I've missed Bob's paradoxical pontifications, which I think he's designing to frustrate people's rational habits of thought, frankly. I really... I, well, <laughs> that explains much because... It, He's certainly, I, as I was reading through this, I thought, I don't know whether to agree That's what I, or I'm disagree or be neutral. Zen koans. They're designed this way <laughs> so that you break through to some type of enlightenment. Well, the article's called What You've Got to Know, and he doesn't say this outright, but pretty clearly here, as in most of the stuff he writes, he's talking to artists. He's talking to new artists, old artists, struggling artists, you know, people who are thinking of becoming artists and so on. And let's just go through some of his points and tell me how you think <laughs> this know. is right go or ahead, wrong and, ahead. you know, how, how this has a bearing on, you know, people who are building brands outside right. of the music business. Number one, try uh, to be great. Tom. I love it. I mean, <laughs> I, I say that to every client I work with, try to be great. I, I think it's his rationale which confuses me. Yeah, because who doesn't want to try? No one tries to no, be it's, mediocre. it's what he says further on. Everything great sells, yeah, no, sells what he itself. Says. That's not true. <laughs> no, I, I was going to exactly say that. I mean, it, I, you know, great suffocates every day. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Beauty, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. How else to explain, you know, re the recent career of Nicolas Cage or pretty much the entire... Filmography of yeah, Adam Sandler. It's not Sandler. just media. Look, um, I, I know a passionate entrepreneur. She she made the greatest gluten-free baked products you could possibly imagine, right? But she, mm -hmm. despite what Bob says, she couldn't gain traction with this great and great only right. product. Yes, he says flat out, it's amazing how you can gain traction with great and great only. Or not. Uh, listen, that's <laughs> the whole purple cow, start with why delusion. It sounds great but it doesn't hold up 
to marketplace reality. It just doesn't. So then marketplace reality means that not that you shouldn't try to be great, but that you should try to be great and what? Listen, you've got to be great, but you've got to figure out how to connect your great to the people who desire that great. And that's not easy work, especially in an age of abundance like we have today, mm-hmm. right? So, so mm-hmm. there's, there is an art to that as well as being great in what you produce. Being great in getting mm-hmm. that thing to the people who desire it is also an art and a skill. And you've got to be good at both of those things if you want to succeed in the marketplace. You know, and, and right. this idea, he says in there, um, you don't even care if anyone else sees or hears what you've created. What is he, crazy? I mean, above all else, especially the musicians that I know, they want to be heard. And the writers that I know want to be read, you know? Yes. So that, that's a big part of this game. And you have to, you've got to want to play both parts of the game if you're creating for others, for an audience, as well as for mm-hmm. yourself. I remember I was approached once by someone who said, hey, look at this radio station website. Here is this little radio station in, I don't know, somewhere in the South. And it's a country station. And look at all the Facebook fans they have. And I looked more closely at it. And I said, and I, and, you know, I would see them in coming from the Far East, the Middle East, Pakistan. <laughs> And, I, you know, I wrote back to the guy and I said, these guys bought these followers, these fans. They bought them flat out. And I'm not sure if it was a setup, if this was someone from the radio station trying to get some attention and make it seem as if he's just, you know, organically and innocently interested in this topic. But he wasn't getting any farther than that with me. And it's amazing how sometimes not only do people want to be seen and read and heard, but sometimes they're more interested in creating the impression that they're seen and read and heard even <laughs> when they're not. True. <laughs> <laughs> Number two from uh, Left Sets, beware of self-hype. Others with stronger personalities and better contacts and more money will spread the word how great they are. They want to make, make it look like everything fell into their lap and they're the luckiest person in the world. Don't buy it. In other words, there's lots of work <laughs> involved in success. And I, I'm sure well, you agree with nailed that. nailed that one, right? So don't, don't be this shameless self-promoter. And he's right when he says, be skeptical and search for the real story of people's success. But here's what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. You're going to find that there are these serendipitous relationships that provided all of these parties with some type of mutually beneficial value, right? And I don't care who it mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. who it is, whether it's an author of a book, whether it's somebody who writes songs, you're going to find out that they bumped in the people who desired what they had. So you've got to go looking mm-hmm. for people who desire what you have because it's that relationship yeah, where everybody fulfills their desires that's going to take you where you need to go in the marketplace. Or as you would say, craft some offering that matches what someone is likely to desire or what you know they desire, right? So in other words, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm reasoning through a, a TV concept right now, and one of the things I'm thinking about is, well, how do I go in making this a must-do for the person on the other end of the desk rather than a, hey, this is something I want, it would be but cool, Mark, let's do it. Mark, that's everywhere. When people pitch, you know, I mean, I get pitched by PR people all the time to write, up, to write about different stories. They have no idea what I desire. They're not pitching me based on what I want. They're pitching me based on what they want me to say. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, very true. Um, Number three, and this one I had a Uh big objection to. (laughs) Number three, 
Play the long game. Now more than ever, it's about being in it forever, not momentarily. Now forget the fact that Bob later in this article pretty much says exactly the opposite of this. But, you know, here's my sense of it. I don't think there's any such thing as a long game. He goes on to say, uh, streaming over time pays. We've already forgotten every winner of The Voice. Yeah, we've forgotten every winner of The Voice, but you know who we've forgotten even faster? Every loser (laughs) of The Voice. (laughs) And you know who is more likely to have a record deal? Every winner of The Voice. So he may be right, but I think there's two things here. One is, you know, the idea that uh, I think there's no such thing as a long game. There is no forever. There are only moments. And... uh, the long game is actually a string of moments. So, uh, you know, you need to pivot according to the moment in order to have that long game. If you just play a game intended on some, you know, fantastic future that may or may not ever arrive, what's to say it's ever going to come? I mean, this is what growth hacking is all about, right? <laughs> it's about being right in the moment for the moment and letting, uh, the, you know, your, your, your customers help you pivot as you grow and scale, Look, there's no, right? There's not any sustained media attention in, in a wide open world of more, better, faster. You know that. There are thousands of people who can do what you do, and they all have access to the same channels to get messages out there. So you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yes, life is a long game, so don't give up on your art. But as far as playing the long game, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I love to Bob's it. That's world. what I love about it. <laughs> well, there are a couple of good examples I had here. First of all, you know, talk about the long game. You remember the band Orleans? Um, I was in some, I don't know, store somewhere and some Orleans thing was playing. And I thought, you know, I wonder what ever happened to them. And I looked them up and it turns out, talk about the long game. You can still see and hear the band Orleans in concert, assuming you hire them for a bar mitzvah because... <laughs> They are actually available for bar mitzvahs now. So there's the long Mark, game. My friend's Tom. wife hired um, Steppenwolf for his 40th birthday party. I remember <laughs> I, I heard the music and I said, where's that coming from? I turned around and there they were. You know, I was thinking about hiring Steely Dan, <laughs> but, you know, now, now I've got to wait for the, you know, the, the, the penal system to work through its process. Uh, one other example I had on this one, and th- this is the one that really irks me. Talk about the long game. Nobody in the course of the 20th century played a longer game than comedian, television, personality extraordinaire Bob Hope, right? There he was. He died. He was like 100 when he died, like whatever, 15 years ago. And I remember I was subscribing to Entertainment Weekly at that time when people still subscribe to Entertainment Weekly. And I thought, isn't this going to be the cover of Entertainment Weekly? Here's a guy whose trajectory matched the trajectory of the 20th century, right? Um, Isn't this the obvious guy of all people to put on the cover of Entertainment Weekly? Well, you know what they had on the cover that week? They had Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Now, you tell me, which one of those two characters played the long game and which played the moment? That's good. (laughs) Number four, lead with your product. Front-loading is passe. I I don't know what it means, That confused me to death. He he says... (laughs) He says, I love this. The advanced buildup works for one-time events like boxing matches. Art has a very long arc. I'm, I'm telling you, and I sat and I said, what in the hell? Boxers, 
in those matches have trained and fought for a hell of a long time to get to that event. Yeah. And it's the advanced buildup that brought them finally some fame and fortune. Do you right. know what I mean? Yes, I do. <laughs> Number five, one of the only the I love this. Only the dumbest of the dumb believe the press releases. Substance sells. Well, I was going to say only the dumbest of the dumb read the press releases. Well, then there's a lot of dumb people because how did Edelman grow to be an $800 million PR firm with more than 5,000 employees? That's a lot of press releases. I think they 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 bought digital partners, <laughs> I think, would be my answer to but that But you know question. what? He also um, says that substance is what sells and it takes a little bit longer to explain substance. What? what? Let me tell you something. Your substance had better not take too much longer because people are in a huge hurry and they'll simply switch to substance that's easier and faster to understand. In this case, they're going to switch to a podcast less than 30 minutes. Ah, that's okay. We can can, can make it shorter. (laughs) This one's going long. I mean, because there's so many darn points here. Number six, data rules. Now, this is unambiguously true, and he's talking about the numbers. The numbers are available everywhere. The numbers don't lie. Deal with the numbers. React to the numbers. Pivot according to the numbers. But don't be PO'd at the numbers because the numbers well, are the numbers. Yeah. He says, don't be sour grapes. No one's got time for that anymore. Life is too hard. Listen, he's right, but the headline's wrong. It's not data rules. It's creativity and innovation rules, just like it always has. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, number seven, just because you were famous and made a living in the old pre-internet era, that does not mean you uh, are entitled to make a living in the new. This was an artificially controlled world of scarcity. If you got through the barrier, people knew who you were. Now you have to earn your stripes. What That's is he talking one, about? Yeah. There's more scarcity now than ever because we still have the we have even more attention and time scarcity than we used to have. Yep. Listen, so the, but, but Mark, the, we, we have right. more, less, more but content. You are, you're right. You know? But you know what he does in order to make you not dismiss everything he wrote in that point? He ends it with, the fuller what? your life, the greater your inspiration. So don't be a slave to the screen. So you end up saying, yeah, he's right at the end, even though everything you read <laughs> prior to that was wrong. Uh, he's a genius. <laughs> Number eight. Number eight, courage is underrated. Okay. <laughs> Number nine, you won't know what your one big break was no, until after it happened. You should have given him more credit on number eight, right? I mean, he said, we want to see humanity in a song, right? But okay, for marketers, you want me to talk to brands? We, we long to see raw, messy humanity in everything today because we've somehow managed to scrub the living out of life and we've replaced it with survival. So we're all bored to death. Give us, <laughs> give us something. <laughs> All right. Uh, Number 10, you can work with the usual suspects, but we're most interested in that which is new and different. That's what turns our heads. Wait a minute. I thought we were playing the long game. This is another one of the beautiful, this little thing that he writes that's so obvious that you read it five times. He says, you won't know what your one big break was until after it happened. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. Number 11, if you're only in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong, you're in the wrong profession. Okay. Well, I right? don't know. You've been saying that yeah. forever, that what gives what I gives have been saying that forever, right and now I'm happy to hear him say it. Right? That's it. I say, as I say, tell it to those who are getting exposure on Pandora and Spotify who are complaining about making, not making bank but, but on Pandora and Spotify. But listen to the beautiful poetic sentiment that's weaved into that, that one point. The best promotion 
is your identity encapsulated in your art. That's a, that's a T-shirt, <laughs> something that needs to go on a T-shirt. I'm going to call them and see if I can put that on T-shirts. Well, I don't think you, I think if you steal it, he'll never know that it's his. That's what I think. And the final point, and not a moment too soon, um, we're always ready for the new, the great, the exceptional. If you touch our souls, we'll give you enough money to survive. And if you're asking for more than that, you're not an artist. That's my favorite of, of, of all of the predictions or, or whatever he's saying. <laughs> it is why. Because your goal is to put a dent in the universe, he says. Start building your rocket. Yeah, that's, that's a very poetic ending. But the idea that if you touch our souls, we'll give you enough money to survive. If you're asking for more than that, you're not an artist. This is kind of the battered spouse syndrome applied to art. That's why I it? liked it. It made no sense at all. It was the best of the bunch. All right, Tom, we're running late, but nevertheless, there's always time for rants and raves. Oh, am I up or are you Do you up? have anything? I always, you oh, always okay, go first. Right, let's stay consistent with this thing. You know what? I want to introduce myself first on the next podcast episode. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll right. shuffle that around. We've sure. got to shake things up this year. This is an age of creativity and innovation. Well, anyway, we've talked at the beginning, and then we've talked in past episodes about how technology is eating the business world, right? From bricks and mortar retail to traditional media. Well, it looks like it's going to eat the modeling business as well, because I just read that the fashion house, the French fashion house, Louis Vuitton's new It Girl for their spring magazine ads. It's not Giselle. It's not Lily Cole. She, or I guess it, is Lightning, the sword-wielding, pink-haired heroine from the video game Final Fantasy. That They've got a video game avatar in their print magazine fashion ads. According to Vuitton's creative director, Lightning is the hmm. perfect avatar for a global heroic woman and for a world where social networks and communications are now seamlessly woven into our life. And I would add, she's a hell of a lot less costly and much less maintenance than these other fashion models. <laughs> and everyone should stay paranoid about her. technology because slowly but surely, pixels are winning out over people. Well, I was thinking today, there was an article I, I, I read, I don't remember what it was about the new uh, Pixar movie, and they said the, apparently the, the environment of the Pixar movie is so incredibly lifelike now that it's a whole new generation ahead of what we've seen before. And it occurred to me, well, you know, I mean, we're a short distance from being able to create something so photorealistic that there's no perceived difference between a movie with real humans and a movie... The, you know, a Pixar animated movie. And at that point, um, then who needs the actors Look, anymore? You're not kidding. It's going to be these, these virtual people that are going to be making the big bucks and that they're going to be marrying, like, you know, star football and baseball players. I haven't told you this before, but I'm actually a virtual co-host. I just, I've just, I just seem I to it. be real. I knew it. Watch what happens to the speaking business <laughs> if, once you can start projecting these speakers onto the stages. Well, hopefully folks like Seth Godin will be a lot less expensive then. <laughs> um, so here's the one I have for you. I only have one this week, which is good since we're running long. But um, Tom, remember back to the days when you were a kid and you're sitting in the movie theater, you're watching Indiana Jones or whatever it was, and you're thinking to yourself, tell me if this is what you were thinking to yourself. You know what? This could all be mine. This entire theater, wouldn't it be cool if I owned this theater and this were all mine all the time? Did you ever have that no. fantasy as a kid? <laughs> Really? I think it's a very to common one, actually. Theater? And there's one, 
to own the movie theater. It's all yours. As a kid, look, back then we could barely afford those, you know, a box of popcorn. So we never thought about movie theaters. (laughs) Well, listen to this. There's one movie theater that wanted to take that uh, appetite that some people have and turn it into a business. Um, The article is from, what is this from? Uh, From some publication. (laughs) And it's called, Ever Wanted to Own Your Own Movie Theater? Enter This Contest. The deed to the Temple Theater in Halton, Maine, population 6,300, Tom, is up for grabs. In an essay writing contest, and lucky for you, according to The Hollywood Reporter, the deadline to enter has just been extended by two weeks. With entries due by the end of January, it should give you plenty of time to get your thoughts together and pen an eloquent 250-word essay about why would you be the best person or family or group to be the new owner of the Temple Theater in historic downtown Halton, Maine. So what's oh, I the know what the backstory is. The backstory. They give you that, and then you have to start paying all this tax money on it. <laughs> None. Well, no. I mean, that they, they. Well, you have to pay tax money for sure. But the backstory is that the owner who bought this thing for next to nothing and put a lot of money in it. Or it's a four hundred seat theater with you know offices, concessions, an apartment if you want to live in it. He wants to sell it for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and evidently in the town of Halton, Maine, population. 6300 he couldn't find some sucker with $350,000 of disposable cash burning a hole in their pocket. So he decided to instead offer it up in a contest for 3,500 people who have $100 each of disposable money burning a hole in their pocket and a dream to own a movie theater. So at this point, as of this writing, which was, you know, recently... He has 200 people have entered and put out the $100, you know, non-refundable fee, I might add. And he's holding open the contest, of course, into January now in order, in the hopes of getting it up to um, $3,500. Wow. (laughs) And he says, this is the part I love. He says, you know, the theater makes, quote, makes a ton of money on concessions, even though they sell a small popcorn, evidently, for $2. (laughs) So um, this is it. If you want to own a movie theater and you got $100 in your pocket in a dream, this is the answer for you. Here's what I think is interesting about this. A few lessons in this. First of all, the idea that, you know, he may not even be able to get to $3,500 with all the media attentions he's got, but he's earned a ton of media (laughs) on this. And it seems to me that the, uh, the lesson from this is that if you can't get what you want, from one sucker, try getting what you want from a lot of suckers as long as you have an idea that is strikingly original, as long as you're able to earn media in the process of communicating that idea, and as long as you're tapping into a dream that somebody somewhere presumably has, in this case, that of owning a movie theater. Any thoughts on that? What's the website? Because I want to send $100 and then... <laughs> <laughs> And then you're going to turn around and sell the theater for 200 I know you. That's Media Unplugged for this week. Please remember to subscribe to us on iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please rate the show. It helps other folks discover us. You can also catch us at SoundCloud, Podcast One, Radio Inc., Media Village, Net News Check, and the American Marketing Association. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Asanker and Mark at Mark Ramsey Media. Send us your questions and comments using hashtag Media Unplugged. If there's a media topic you want us to cover, tweet us. You can read the show notes and share the show at our website, MediaUnplugged.net. Special thanks to the producer of Media Unplugged, Jeff Schmidt. Exciting audio from media. You can find him at Jeff-Schmidt.com. 
For Tom Asaker, I'm Mark Ramsey, and thanks for listening.